Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Well, hey there, and welcome to the first ever episode. This is a podcast by ABNWT leaders and for ABNWT leaders. We wanted to begin resourcing you and your church leaders directly, so I encourage you to share this with your team, your leadership, anyone in your church, and let them be part of the conversation. The bottom line is we want to see you reach more people and make an impact on your community. Today, our first ever guest is Pastor Gary Datinger. Gary is the superintendent of the POC District of Alberta and the Northwest Territories. Now, the district has 138 churches, 490 credential holders, spread out across a very large geographic region from the Arctic to the United States. And uh, Gary was elected May 2017. And so as of today, he's been with us for about eight months. So welcome, Gary. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us your story briefly. How did you get here? Well, I guess I have to start off by saying I'm kind of out of my element because really what I know is pastoring a church, frontline ministry, over 36 years. And I don't know all that much about denominational administration, but uh, we had a succession take place very effectively at the church where I was at. And uh, I traveled along for a while after the succession for a couple of years, but... uh, Felt we kind of put the bow on that, and uh, then, in God's great economy, was elected as district superintendent, and began to think, you know what, maybe I helped one church for 36 years, maybe helping 138 would be a good thing to do. That's awesome. So, what are you all about, like in the last... Uh, maybe decade or so, what, what and, and beyond, what are you willing, what are you giving your life for right now? During the time of leading the church, it was trying to lead a church that defied the trend. Because, you know, church attendance and engagement has been on the, the downside for the last 70 years in Canada. And so being a part of a church, this was probably my primer that maybe qualified me to try and do what we're doing now, was leading a church that went from 300 to 3,000 over 36 years. While... Churches in Canada were generally on pretty significant decline. And so that's that's been my story. If there's anything that I'm kind of an expert at, it would be uh, leading a growing church in a Canadian metro in this particular cultural era of uh, church decline. So I'm just trying to replicate that for churches different sizes and locales and uh, see where we can be useful to help leaders see that happen. A big part of what you're doing is vitalization. Yeah. And why why is that so important to vitalize the churches here in uh, AB and WT? Well, we, we've seen, again, even good evangelical denominations plateau in the last 20 years. And our own group, uh, since certainly the early 2000s, has been plateaued. And um, the... Uh, the issue with plateaued church, given some non-negotiables of basic biblical basis, prayer, and personal revival, like those things have to be in place or it's, you're not going to start. But if those are in place and 
good leaders are still finding they can't see their churches grow in large and small communities. And it's just necessary for us to realize that we need capable leaders and effective churches in order to turn this around. So uh, given the the non-negotiables of, you know, Bible, Great Commission, uh, personal renewal and revival, uh, but then beyond there, we have to begin to work as denominations on building capable leaders and effective churches. Let's just talk a little bit about what an, what an effective church looks like. An effective church, now, it's 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 a hard job, but it's very simple. Um, effective churches in Canada right now that are prevailing seem to be doing five things. They are focusing on teaching, which is giving answers from the Bible to the questions that people are asking. So it's relevant, it's Bible-based, it's not just spinning stuff out of your head, not just being well-read and, you know, novel, but biblical answers to the questions people are asking. Then the second thing they do is that they have a music, or often we call a worship experience, where people really sense that God is present. Regardless of the musical genre, whether it's uh, one style or the other, but there's a sense of God's presence in those worship times. Prevailing churches do that. Then prevailing churches, they are able to hit the ball out of the park on delivering ministry to children with excellence uh, that engages the the spiritual interests of children. So you, you've got to do that to reach families. And then the, the fourth thing that prevailing churches do is they're good at hospitality. They're good at receiving guests and incorporating them into the life of the church over a subsequent period of time. The last thing that prevailing churches just relentlessly have to do, and that's be outbound. Every department, every service, every special seasonal uh, event, uh, they have to be relentlessly outbound, which means to be Great Commission-oriented. They're trying to uh, introduce people to Jesus, not just look after the convinced and the converted and the existing loyal church crowd, but they are just incessantly outbound in every staff meeting, every board meeting, everything they do, every time they budget, they're outbound in their thinking. So, you know, that's uh, those are just five simple things that prevailing churches got to do in Canada. Now, what do you say to a pastor who says, you know, great, love it, uh, want to vitalize, can't be done here? What do you say to that? Boy, the first thing I hear is um, probably some good people that are discouraged because they've... Uh, They've taken a number of swings. They went into that pastorate with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of hope, and found that it's just been very hard. And for whatever reason, maybe hasn't worked. And so they've tried to scientifically come to the conclusion, you know, maybe the gospel just doesn't work in uh, Eyebrow, Alberta, or wherever they're at. And I understand that. These are good people. But uh, what I, I would say is just we have evidence to the contrary. Um, there are churches that are growing in towns just like yours, in communities that are just your size, whether you're in a city of a million 
or whether you're in a town of 250 or a town of 3,000 or 10,000 people. There's just evidence to the contrary. So I think the fact that it can't be done in my town is a bit of a myth, uh, albeit sincerely held, but it's, it's uh, almost a superstition that we think, you know, there's something uh, jinxed about my town. Like uh, the gospel that's the power of God into salvation, for some reason, just doesn't seem to have traction here. And I understand that. I, I mean that with all due respect, but it's just there's evidence to the contrary. There's growing churches in towns just like probably the one that person is from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like reaching the Pharisees. Uh, they were a tough group. I mean, they were a bunch of ne'er-do-well, unbelieving, recalcitrant yahoos. <laughs> and yet, uh, Nicodemus got saved. Right. Uh, Joseph Arimathea got saved. So, yeah, the, the rest of the herd was a pretty bad lot. But to ever assume that everybody in my community is unreachable... I just don't think there's any precedent for that in Scripture. So we need to dream again. We need, we need to, to dream again. hope again, pray again, yeah. even if it's the 3,000th time, you know, in 20 years. Yeah. yeah. You're saying, maybe God will help us. Yeah, <laughs> maybe God will help us, yeah. And I think you need to assess receptivity. And and I think wise church, where should you plant your church? Where should you do? Uh, and, you know, the evangelist, can afford to shake the dust off their sandals when a community just doesn't want to respond to the crusade. But if you're a pastor living in a community over a period of years, that's a different thing than the evangelist who says, you know, stop the crusade, we'll move on to the next town. The pastor can reach the Nicodemuses and the Joseph of Arimathea's. If you take the time, gospel's still the power of God and salvation, uh, you're going to get traction. So I'm... You know, I'm I'm a pastor. I've been in the town for whatever years. I'm 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 all in. I'm yes. I want to do this. Uh, I have a plateaued, declining church, but I want to see growth. What's my next step? Um, I'd sort of go back to something I touched on a couple of questions ago. Uh, I think you need to figure out what's the lowest slat in your barrel. Um. There are only five things that you really need to be able to consistently do well, and I mentioned those. It's the teaching, the hospitality, uh, the music with the presence of God, uh, children, excellence, and connecting with their spiritual interest, and being continually outbound. That There's no way around that. There's not another uh, list of things. Though That's what you've got to do. But where should you start? You say, I'm stymied. We just don't know what to do. I'd get away with your board, your leaders, uh, some of your trusted people, pray, think, analyze. And you need to be good at all five of those, but you probably should start by picking the lowest slot in the barrel because, of course, as uh, Christian Schwartz said, the lowest slot in the barrel is what determines how much that barrel will hold. So if your teaching is uh, three and a half out of five and your music is 2.7 out of five and Children are kind of two and a half, whatever, outbound, whatever. But, you know, maybe the way that you're receiving and incorporating guests, maybe you're just losing opportunity to say, we're a one at that. We're an inward bound, unintentionally kind of exclusivist. We're not that good at incorporating. You better start on hospitality. Or maybe it's just outbound. Maybe, like us, 
35 or 30 years ago, we found that 83% of our dollars and energies were be, were spent on the convinced and just a little bit on on the the lost. Hmm. So maybe you really need to keep doing your teaching, your hospitality, your music, your children, but you need to really double down on how are we going to get outbound around here. So pick one of the five that you think is the lowest slat in the barrel and get after it. Now, you're the district superintendent for Alberta Northwest Territories. What's the what's the role of the district in vitalization? How can the district help churches in Alberta grow? First thing I had to do here was admit what we're not. Hmm. We are not frontline. We don't run small groups. We don't run Sunday school. We, we're not going to have a big Easter presentation to invite the community in. We don't do that. At That's, the district. It's not our shtick yeah. at district. So... Uh, Admit we're not frontline. We're here to resource churches. We're to help those who are on the front line. And frankly, it's an audacious statement, but that I hope after a period of time that our churches will come increasingly to see us not as the district office, but as the district resource center, where not just here's a book, go read some literature, that might help, but we've got coaches, we've got specialists that can help you as you're chasing those five big things. And in the end, this is a bit audacious, but uh, we hope that uh, in three or four years, people increasingly will be saying, you know what, nobody helps me lead and grow my church more than my district. So we're not frontline, we help people who are on the front line. Well, that's exciting. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? No, that uh, that's that's keeping us busy right now. <laughs> it sure is. Well, listen, we're going to hit the lightning round, which is just we're going to ask every guest on our show the same three questions. And so we're going to start with you today, okay? What book are you currently reading? Uh, something that I'm really enjoying wrestling with is a book called After Evangelicalism by Kevin Flatt. Um, it's the story of how the largest Christian denomination in Canada from the 1920s after its merger um, went from that to uh, uh, having lost 90% of its adherents. So I'm getting lots of lessons about what to avoid. And so we're trying to build healthy, vibrant, growing denominations. So I'm on a bit of a study of how the biggest and the greatest kind of pass from the scene. And what caused them to lose their prominence? So anyway, that story uh, after evangelicalism by Kevin Flat is it's, a challenge. It's eh? got an arresting <laughs> package or bundle of lessons for any denomination or wow. church to read. So uh, another question here: what uh, what piece of technology are you really excited about? It could be anything, but what what? New piece of technology you've got that you're well, you love. Yeah, this is going to disappoint you because I don't have some new uh, electronic technological gadget <laughs> that probably would interest all the young people. I'm interested in like a rangefinder because um, <laughs> I do a little hunting and uh, you know target shooting and that sort of thing. So I'm interested in rangefinder to help me do a better job of feeding my young family. <laughs> Uh, as I go hunting in the fall. Well, that's the technology you're, you're yeah, using right now. Yeah, range finder. You got one for Christmas? Or, or a what? number two. I did get one for Christmas, <laughs> and so I'm learning how to use it. Or a number two Stanley wood plane. Um, they're hard to find. 
but uh, great little wood plane from back in the 1930s and 20s. That's a new piece of technology for you, eh? Oh, that's as new as my technology gets, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question here. What what ministry or conference or blog or just something else that, that you would recommend for leadership development or, or congregational health? Yeah. Uh, this, again, might be a bit of a disappointment because I would say, first off, learn cheap. Uh, don't travel unless you have to. No, you will have to, but... There's so much available today online, yeah. technologically. Uh, you mentioned, you know, blogs, things like this. Uh, I uh, We did some traveling to Leadership Network as a larger church, and they were phenomenally helpful to us. Developing the pipeline of leadership, that sort of stuff was good. So if you're a larger church, Leadership Network, uh, I think, really deserves a second look. Uh, but when it comes to resources for you and your church, this will be fairly cheap for you. But use cohorts. I I was willing to clear my schedule any week of the month in order to talk to other practitioners who are really wrestling with growing their churches, churches of similar size. Uh, be in a cohort. Mm. Um, I was in a cohort here in Edmonton for years with similar sized churches. Um, and I know we're starting some cohorts and peer learning in our district in this new year for rural churches, churches of various sizes, uh, different types of struggles that they're having. I don't know how we'll build all these, but I am really big on cohort learning with other practitioners that are muddling through it just like you are. That was so much help to me. That's great. Well, Gary, thanks so much for uh, being here today. And as always, folks, you can check us out at abnwt.com. And uh, stay in tune for our next episode. We're going to drop an episode every month, and we'd love for you to join us. Thanks again.